Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5.30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. It's election day. Make sure you get out there and vote. You got to do it. It's incredibly important. Please do not take anything for granted. Please, I beg of you. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And I want to remind you again, those school board races are so critical They are so critical. You cannot, you cannot neglect those. So if you need some help, if you need some research into who the candidates are to vote for, please don't take it for granted. Reach out to your friends, go online, figure it out. The stakes are way too high for our children. Here to talk about all this with me is one of my favorite guys in the New Jersey State Senate, Senator Mike Testa, and of course, the chairman of the Cumberland County Republican Party. How are you today, Senator? As hectic as anybody can be when you're the chairman of a party that is, you know, on the precipice of, you know, hopefully sweeping and going 7-0 on the commissioner board and picking up a sheriff seat and the surrogate seat. So, you know, fielding calls all day. But, you know, there's a lot of energy in the air. And and as you said, look, look, all of the major issues are the wind at Republicans' backs right now. You know, parental rights, offshore wind obviously the high taxes, inflation, you know, this is very interesting because when I was younger and involved in campaigns, national issues and even state issues didn't really infiltrate local races, municipal races, school board races, county races. And now they really do because bad policies are affecting each and every one of us from the federal government, you know, Bidenomics to Governor Murphy's tyrannical practices in the state that are still with us from the COVID era and beyond. And and now, you know, calling parents who want to attend school board meetings, you know, domestic terrorists, having, you know, weaponizing the attorney general's office to sue school boards that aren't in line with the radical leftist agenda of the Murphy administration. So we have the wind at our backs. We need to make sure our people get out and vote today. Uh, I agree. And you are a county chairman, which is a tough job. I've done that job. It's very difficult. But you swept your county was a was one of the the bright spots in that in that year that was not a red wave, but it was in your county. 
Uh, and you figured out, I think, the secret sauce here of making people understand that all these issues tie in uh, on every level. And if parents are engaged in school board elections then they need to vote Republican for the legislature, because uh, the, the fights that you fight in Trenton are the same fights that the parents are now dealing with at the local school board meetings in their town. And, and that's why people need to understand that it, it, it's so critical. I think you walk into the booth tonight on your way home from work or you go there right now and you, you see names that you may not know. But you got to go. You got to be informed here, I think, Senator. I mean, this this it's just it's too crucial what these fights are for people not to take five minutes to just get educated on the candidates. Oh, absolutely. And, and what you're describing is what I say. Are these these issues are monolithic from the top down and from the bottom up. And it, it matters. You know, I, I've heard so many people over the years tell me, you know, I don't really vote the party. I vote the person. Well, you know, what's really interesting. Those on the left, those with a D next to their name are never asked to denounce all of the ridiculous uh, policies that are coming from Joe Biden, coming from Phil Murphy at the local level. Yet when, you know, me and the legislature, all they ever talk about with me is January 6th and abortion. Well, wait a minute. That's not what that, you know, that's not affecting what's happening at your school board. That's not what, that's not affecting anything that's happening at your municipal level. But you know what is bad policy, Bidenomics, uh, green energy, offshore wind, those things are affecting us at every single level and the radical leftist policies that are infiltrating our school curriculum. And as I said, weaponizing the office of the attorney general to sue school boards that aren't in lockstep with Murphy's radical agenda. So they absolutely do infiltrate at every single level. And we need to make sure our people get out and vote. Yeah, well said. Uh, talk to me about the, the these phantom candidates, these Fugazi candidates they are running in the legislative district number four. I can't I can't believe I mean, nothing shocks me in Jersey politics. I've been involved in it for so long. Nothing shocks me. But this one still kind of shocked me a little bit that they're running fake candidates to try to defeat the Republicans in that district. Uh, It's it's just unbelievable. There's no stop that. And, and no length that they will go to 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 win races. I mean, to them, it really matters. And, you know, I'm, I'm tired of also hearing about Republicans losing with pure nobility. We need to do everything we possibly can legally and ethically to make sure that we get all of our people out to vote. Yes. You obviously see they're, they're putting up fake candidates, you know, a phantom candidate with dark money coming in. Uh, you know, to support that candidate, to draw votes away from the Republican candidates. They're, those people who are going to vote for that phantom candidate aren't aren't necessarily thinking about, hey, I'm either going to vote Republican or Democrat. Those people are typically uh, hard right conservative voters who are being duped into thinking that they're going to vote for someone that is actually potentially going to win the election. No, the only thing a vote cast for that person is going to do is make sure that a Democrat wins. Right. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, and congratulations, by the way, on your big endorsement. You got a huge endorsement, Senator Mike Testa. I saw you posted it on Facebook. Uh, would you care to share with us who endorsed you? Which one are you talking about? I mean, look, I've been I've been endorsed by the state PBA. Mm-hmm. I've also been in, endorsed by, you know, obviously, um, you know, folks who were involved in not all the, the diametric opposite of offshore wind energy, right? People mm-hmm. who believe in fossil fuels that are sensible. Is that the one that you're speaking of? Um, Flipper the Dolphin. Oh, Flipper the Dolphin. Okay. So obviously that was somewhat tongue in cheek, but you know, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that one, that one's a, that one's a good one. Um, but you know, Flipper the Dolphin, you know, you think about what's been happening with our precious marine life. That was, you know, they were calling anomalies, 
you know, that would have been happening for the last, you know, roughly the last year or so, November of last year is when it really ticked up, which just so happened to coincide with, with you know, the blasting that they were doing uh, in our oceans to test uh, for what is going to be, you know, offshore wind. And we're really happy that obviously Orsted has abandoned ship on the first two projects that were supposed to go in um, right, right off of our, our coastline. But remember this, Atlantic Shores, uh, and skipjack are, are up next. So we have to make sure that ocean wind one and ocean wind two are, are the first, the first battle lines that we've, we've crossed, but we need to make sure we put an end to all of the offshore wind projects, which aren't going to be beneficial to our tourism industry, uh, to our commercial fishing industry, to our recreational fishing industry, and all, obviously also potentially really harmful to our marine life as whales, dolphins and porpoises that have died uh, in record numbers. Senator Mike Testa is with me. He's also the chairman of the Cumberland County Republican Party, and uh, it's great to have him on the show. Talk to me as well about the fight in the the school issue. I mean, you know, I've got three kids. We've talked about this before, but I see a lot of signs for school board candidates. I haven't seen this before, really. I mean, this has been a thing in the last couple of years. There's one guy in particular in the state Senate, this Vingo Powell guy, this Democrat, who is the architect of all this. Uh, he could lose today. I mean, and if that happens and, and we're able to keep Ed Durr's seat, we're able to keep you. you I think you'll, you'll be OK. Obviously, we can pick up in LD4. The Republicans could have the majority. And that means in the Senate, you'll have oversight. You'll, you'll be able to actually get into these things. And you could you could bring the attorney general before you for oversight. You could bring uh, Vingo Powell before you and and ask him and the State Department of Education about the collusion behind your backs. I mean, this is this could be a very a very big win for transparency. It needs to be. I mean, you know, and Rich, you and I have spoken about this. You know, I'm, we're told not to read the comments on social media when we make posts because some of them are extremely negative. But the two things that I've been able to glean from reading all of the comments over the last four years is that the people of New Jersey are starving for two things: transparency and accountability. And that's absolutely what the 9.3 million New Jerseyans deserve is transparency and accountability. And, you know, whoever thought that we'd be arguing as citizens of the state of New Jersey that parents should be informed of what is happening with their children at school. And when you're, you know, what you're referencing about Senator Gopal and him being the architect of what has been happening with this radical leftist agenda in our schools, you know, what we are seeing is, is that, for whatever reason, the Murphy administration thinks it's okay for schools to keep secrets about children from their parents. And, you know, I've used this example before. My child can't take a Tylenol at school. My child can't go on a field trip without my consent. But according to the Murphy administration and his attorney general, it should be just a-okay for a child to be able to change their gender at school without their parents' knowledge. And it really reeks of communism, in my opinion, because, you know, the Murphy administration believes that the state is in a better position to raise their uh, the student than the parents of that student. And they want parents to house their children, shelter their children, clothe their children, feed their children. But God forbid that they actually really know their children. Right. And you mentioned Senator Gopal, but, you know, Senator Zwicker introduced a really radical piece of legislation that was passed in California that would 
give the rights of the state to remove children from parents who aren't gender affirming enough. Think about that for a second. Uh, And I'll repeat that. They want to have the state to have the power to remove children from parents who aren't gender affirming enough. I mean, this is just insane. So everybody should wake up, go to the polls and vote and make sure that their voice is heard. No, you're right, buddy. You are right. I'm glad you're there, Mike. I really am. I'm glad you're in the state Senate. I'm glad you're the county chairman. I'm glad you you are in the fight every single day. Every time that you've asked me to come speak at one of your events, it's always been an honor. So I appreciate it. Uh, Best of luck today to you and all the candidates in your county, your team and uh, the Republicans across the board. Senator Mike Testa, thank you. Thank you so so very much. And uh, be prepared to speak again very soon. Thank you, Rich. Okay, you bet. No problem. Five o'clock happy hour is brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday, now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelCapeMay.com. Okay, so one of the most consequential cases before the United States Supreme Court has played out today in Washington. And this is very important. There's a lot of philosophical questions around this that I want to get to. And the first question is this. If, if, if you have a domestic protective order against you, and I talked to Alan Dershowitz earlier. If you missed the interview, it's podcast for you. The real big takeaway from that is what he said about Barack Obama, which Matt DeSantis, can we play that again to remind everybody what Professor Alan Dershowitz said about former President Barack Obama? I love this. We got to get it out there on social. We got to get it everywhere. It will be up in just a couple minutes here. That's what she said. All right. So um, <laughs> I have no filter. I'm a child, <laughs> seven year old child. And I've you're very you serious about I... getting this up, letting everyone in the world hear <laughs> stop, it. Stop. <laughs> make the joke. Stop. Don't make me go to my Zioli drops too. <laughs> Sounder. You got to change the name. Of- <laughs> don't, don't make me go there because I will. Hang on. Let me index it. Hang on. Let me see. See what he drops too. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm just saying. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. I agree. I agree. Uh, anyway, um, where was I going with this? Oh, Dershowitz. Yes. And then we're getting it up. Uh, go ahead. We never should have helped Iran build that nuclear reactor no, in the first place. Why Barack not. Obama did that is just beyond me. Look, Barack Obama has been a villain in this whole thing. He issued a statement the other day. I just wrote an article about it in which he basically compared these massacres, these rapes, these beheadings, to Israel's um, occupation of Gaza, which doesn't exist. Israel ended its occupation of Gaza in 2005. They not only removed all settlers and all soldiers, they even dug up their dead bodies from graves and took them out of the Gaza Strip. And Obama obnoxiously and obscenely um, um, compared these brutal, brutal murders to Israel's disputed and controversial occupation. And that will just encourage uh, groups like Hamas to continue to brutalize innocent civilians, not only in Israel, but around the world. So I think that Obama has uh, shame on him for what he did. And I used to vote for him. I would never, ever support him, vote for him, or actually talk to him again. My relationship with him was over. I knew he was a student. I was at the White House repeatedly when he was president. Uh, That's over. Excellent. Fantastic. Well done. Well said. Uh, Outstanding. Uh, So I asked uh, Professor Dershowitz about the issue that's before the Supreme Court today. And here is the issue in a nutshell. 
there's a domestic protective order against you and you lose your rights to bear arms. You lose your right to bear arms. That is enshrined, of course, in the Constitution. Now, is that okay? You have not been found guilty of anything. It's an accusation that's made. You know, I have, maybe I part ways with some of my conservative brethren on this. I have major problems with red flag laws for that very, very reason. And the problem is that false accusations happen particularly in domestic areas. Divorce is a great example, right? I mean, divorce is a nasty business. And there's a reason why my buddy... Rick DeMichel, who's a divorce attorney, DeMichel and DeMichel, the compassionate advocates, uh, he and his brother Greg, who are great guys, is, there's a reason why he's got crystal clear ice in his house. Do you know that his ice, you can't see through the ice, it's crystal clear? He's got crystal clear ice. Do you know what that means? I don't know. It, means, it means the water is pure, right? It, the ice machine creates ice that is you can you can see through it it appear allegedly now it's never worked i've tried this multiple times at his house his shore house in longport <laughs> you put the ice in you put a drink in it's cloudy like every other ice cube but it, it makes him feel good that he thinks that the ice is is clear so what the heck you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah it's fine but no, i gotta give them a shout out greg greg handled my uh, my real estate closing he did a, a phenomenal job for me and rick's a great friend uh, despite the fact that his his ice machine is a fugazi but <laughs> But but it, there's a reason why divorce attorneys get things like crystal clear ice machines. Divorce is expensive and it's ugly and it's messy. And people in divorces make accusations, breakups. There's there's you know, these things get bitter and nasty. And so a lot of times what will happen is somebody will make a false accusation of domestic violence because it affects custody. It affects a lot of things. And it's not true, but it then leads to a person losing certain rights. And the question before the court is, is it enough? A protective order, is that enough to take away your guns? And in my opinion, it's not. I I mean, I'll just be very honest with you. I, I have a hard time whenever an accusation is made where the government then gets to come in and take away your liberty. Period. I I I have a problem with it. I and I and and this is the same issue I have with the red flag laws because it's very easy for a neighbor or an ex-husband, ex-wife, whatever, or, you know, going through a divorce and call up a, a police and say, you know, I think he's going to kill himself and the cops come and take all the guns. If, if, if he can still kill himself, he's knives, he's got an ax, he's got, he put his car in his garage, I mean, jump off a bridge, like, it's an excuse to get the guns and I've always viewed it that way. And I know that there are procedures through courts with judges in short term and I, and I can live with some of those things. If a judge is involved and there's due process and there's a right of an attorney to be present and it doesn't cost you money to defend yourself and it's temporary. And I, I, I mean, there's a way I could live with it, but it's just not been applied that way. It becomes an all bearing, all assuming knock on the door from the police and they come and take, confiscate your guns because somebody dropped a dime on you and it, it may not even be true. And it, I look at the same exact thing here that's going on with this domestic, these domestic violence protective orders. You know, a woman is going through divorce and she says, you know, the husband beat the crap out of me. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But I, you have to prove these things before you take away somebody's liberty. And I, I hear and my heart goes out to them. I mean, I hear stories of women who were all day today on the news because the corporate media loves this idea. And they're going on about how, you know, my, I had a friend and she was murdered by her ex-husband and he shot her. But, you know, there's also spouses who have killed each other with knives and axes and I mean, these things happen. You know what I mean? It's focusing on the guns again. 
is the problem that I have. That's the problem. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to take away somebody's constitutional rights, gun, a gun is not a privilege. It's not a car. It's not a driver's license. Your driver's license is a privilege. You don't have a constitutional right to that. But if you're going to take away your constitutional rights, then you've got to follow the rule book and the Constitution's very clear. You can't do that without due process. And in my opinion, due process is not somebody makes an accusation, a judge reviews it, and then signs off on it. That's not due process. That's just a, that's a procedure. That's a form. That's the issue that I have. And it's not because I'm hoping that domestic violent guys out there are going to go out there and start, you know, shooting their ex-girlfriends or something. You know, but how many times have we heard, you know, the story of the husband who comes home and catches a woman in bed and stabs him to death or, you know, the wife who, who finds out the husband's cheating on him and, you know, comes home and, and poisons him. I mean, th- these things happen in life. But we also know there's a lot of fugazis that happen, too, where they're just trying to make trouble for each other. And when emotions are running high and passions running high in these things and people can sometimes lie and now you've lost your rights. And, and, and since the. The Second Amendment does not exist for you to shoot off cruise ships at, you know, skeet shooting while it's fun. And I encourage you to do it. And it doesn't exist for you to hunt. Hunting is not why we have the Second Amendment. We don't have it for shoot sport shooting. Those things are all fun things to do, but they're not why we have it. So if you're going to deprive somebody of their liberty to protect themselves and their family, which is why we have the Second Amendment enshrined in the Constitution. You have to be damn sure. You've got to make sure that the due process is followed because you're taking away their right to defend themselves. Yeah, You know, I, I can't stress this enough. That's why we have the Second Amendment. It is to protect, to protect ourselves from bad people, from tyranny, from lots of things. But it's, it's not something that we can just lose a right to willy-nilly. And this is why I am also a big believer in if you go to jail, if you, if you are sentenced to prison and you serve your time, you should get all of your rights restored, even your Second Amendment rights. I, I maybe part ways with conservatives on that sometimes, but I'm an absolutist when it comes to liberty. I, you know, you did your time, you get your rights back. You can vote, you can get your guns back, you can do all those things. Otherwise, And if you're such a bad person that you shouldn't have guns, you shouldn't, you should probably still be in prison. It's by the way I look at it. But anyway, um, going off on a tangent here, here's a little bit of the arguments before the Supreme Court today. So Matt DeSantis, I know we've got a couple things here. We've got, um, first of all, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas questioning Elizabeth Perlojar, U.S. Solicitor General, about the definition of law abiding. And then Chief Justice John Roberts jumps in here. Take a listen. You mean by law-abiding and responsible? Of course, Justice Thomas. So I would break that into its two constituent components. With respect to those who are not law-abiding, history and tradition shows that that's defined by those who have committed serious crimes, defined by the felony-level punishment that can attach to those crimes. This case focuses on the not-responsible-citizens principle, and in this context, we think that history and tradition show that it applies to those whose possession of firearms would pose an unusual danger beyond the ordinary citizen with respect to harm to themselves or harm to others. Uh, what if uh, someone, this is a civil action, I think we could agree on the, if this were, these were criminal proceedings, uh, what if someone is uh, categorized as irresponsible for not storing uh, firearms properly? 
So I think that there would be a history and tradition to support the idea that if someone has improperly stored their firearms and thus demonstrated by their conduct that they're not fit to keep and bear arms, they would fit within this category of those who are not responsible. And, and there were a number of historical laws that operated that way. For example, those who had improperly stored gunpowder and caused the risk of explosions. Uh, below you, and your, you, you uh, had a list of classes of individuals who uh, were excluded uh, in, in your opening argument. Uh, that below, you included in that class or in those classes slaves and Native Americans. Why did you drop those classes? We haven't invoked those laws at this stage of the proceedings because we think that they speak to a distinct principle uh, and the textual hook that at the particular point in time, those categories of people were viewed as being not among the people protected by the Second Amendment in the first instance. Obviously, that was an odious classification, but those laws were generally accompanied by stripping of other political rights or ability to, to participate in the political community, and we think they were justified uh, at that time on that basis. And so the reason we haven't invoked them here is because we focused on the more directly relevant laws that apply to those who are indisputably among the people, but nevertheless fit within this enduring constitutional principle that the legislature has authority to draw lines and make predictive judgments about those whose access to firearms will create that untenable risk of danger. Is um, someone who drives 30 miles an hour in a 25 mile, mile an hour zone, does that person qualify as law abiding or, or not? I think that that wouldn't qualify to the extent that it's classified as a misdemeanor or minor criminal conduct under state law. And I do want to be clear that we, we certainly think that wouldn't apply under the not responsible category. But if you're focusing on law abiding in particular, we think that history and tradition there support the conclusion that you can disarm those who have committed serious crimes. So it's not just that any kind of, of conduct that is an offense would qualify. Okay. Now. This question of law abiding, and by the way, a great point that was made uh, from a dear friend of mine and also from Paul on Twitter. If the authorities are so worried about women being killed by abusive spouses with a gun, why do they make a woman in fear for her life wait 30 days to get a firearm? It's a great point. It's a great question. It's an excellent point, and it's a point worth making. It's not the point before the court today, but it is a great point. And if you remember the story of there was a woman who was uh, stabbed to death by her ex-husband, she was in the process of trying to get a gun and it, it was not his, it was not their fault. I mean, again, they, the, the state requires the, this waiting period and the woman was dead, you know? So, I mean, the very same people that are screaming about taking guns away from men who are abusive, because let's face it, most of the people we're talking about here are men, are the same people that don't want women to have the right to have guns to be able to protect themselves from these very men. So it's an excellent point. It's not the point before the court today, but it's an excellent side point for all the people that are on the side of, of hoping that this ruling stands to deprive people who have protective orders. But this issue of law abiding, it's a great question. What, what defines a law abiding citizen? I mean, you know, I, I'm not law abiding. You're not law abiding. We break the average person commits three felonies a day in this country. You don't even know it. Three felonies a day. Who wrote that book, Matt DeSantis? I wrote that book. No, I didn't write that book, but who wrote that book? I actually don't know who wrote that uh, book. Three felonies a day was, um, come on, ask a freaking what's-her-face, the, the creepy robot lady. Check. Alexa? Mm-hmm. Mm. Don't ever say her name, because then oh, she goes sorry. crazy when people are listening to the show on it. 
Is it Harvey Silvergate? Harvey Silvergate. Thank Silver you. Silverglade, sorry. Silverglade. Yes, we've had Harvey on the show before. Three felonies a day. The average the average person commits three felonies a day. You don't even know you're doing it. There are just so many laws and rules and regulations on the books. So this issue of law-abiding, being a law-abiding citizen in order to have uh, a right to bear arms, I mean, that could be anything. And the government can literally take away guns from everybody if we go down that road. If we go down that road. Now, here is uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor questioning Elizabeth Preloger, U.S. Solicitor General, and seemingly argues that dangerous is too limited when restricting gun ownership. I don't know if that was her intent or not, but take a listen. Correct. That's correct. And Mr. Rahimi hasn't made a due process claim here. He's not challenging Section 922 G8 on that. I'd, I'd like ground. to go back to your law abiding um, or responsible citizen category. I now understand why you think it's uh, it's appropriate. You think dangerous is too limited because we have restrictions on the age of people um, possessing firearms and on the mentally ill. And they're not, um, uh, why do you, and, and I understand that not necessarily dangerous, but I guess they're lack of responsibility or judgment could be questioned, correct? What I would say is we think that they are inherently dangerous, even though they might not be culpable or intending to create that kind of danger with firearms. If there's an inherent risk based on their qualities or characteristics that demonstrates that as compared to the ordinary citizen, allowing them access to firearms is going to present that risk of danger to self or others. So if we use danger in the way you're defining it, as broadly as you're defining it, uh, you don't need responsible citizen category. Yes, I think these are essentially getting at the same concept. I guess what I would say, Justice Sotomayor, is that we have tracked the court's own language here, and I think it would be important if the court wants to refer to concepts of dangerousness to make clear that it's not backtracking from what it said in Heller and in McDonald and in Bruin, that you can disarm those who are not law-abiding responsible citizens with the mentally ill as one of the exemplar categories the court held up to illustrate that proposition. And I think that the term responsible gets at the, the broader group of people who can be disarmed even though they might not be culpable precisely because of this risk of danger. But Thank if the you, court- counselor. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, this is the, 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 the issue of the risk of danger. You see, this, I, I have a problem with this. When the government starts with assessing risk, and why are we going to do that? We're going to make categories of risk and risk categories, and then we'll look at that. I mean, insurance companies can do that. Fine. You know, insurance companies can do that and, and they can cite your level of risk and charge you a higher premium. And, you know, if you if you're somebody who likes to, for example, I don't know, you know, go uh, jet skiing, whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of questions they ask you in your life insurance. Policy. If they want to do that, fine. If the government starts playing that game, we assess your level of risk. Oof. I'm sorry. I don't I don't want them doing that. I don't want them getting into that game where they start making because you know what will happen. You, you know exactly what will happen, right? If you fly a Betsy Ross flag, I think you've got a high level of risk. You could be a revolutionary. If you fly the Gadsden flag, the don't tread on me flag, I think there's a high chance you could be a domestic violent extremist. I mean, you're, you, you, you're, you're, you're using symbols of revolution here. I think you're a high risk. If you're somebody who's very outspoken in public and meetings and things like that, and maybe you, you, you get a little heated at public meetings of, with town council members and school board members, you, you, I mean, you might be a very, very big danger. You see how quickly we can go down a road here where the government can literally turn around and say, 
we're taking guns away from you or denying you the right to have a gun or confiscating your gun because we've we've now you've met our danger criteria. Uh, we, we do a 10 score and you're eight out of 10. Uh, what's the criteria? Well, we can't tell you that it's classified, but we take into a variety of factors, including your social media statements, uh, your clothing, the shows you watch. You listen to that Zioli guy on the radio. You talk about taking our country back. You were in the Capitol on January 6th, even though you didn't go inside, but you uh, you you happen to be uh, looking at the Capitol building. I mean, there's all your your level of danger here is very high. So we really don't think you should have a firearm. See how, how quickly we can go down that road. And that is I mean, I'm sorry, but keep keep me out of that. Keep me out. The better answer is if a woman fears for her life because her ex-husband or ex-boyfriend or whoever and she worries about her physical safety, then make it as, as, as easy as possible for her to be able to get a firearm to protect herself and her family, the proper training to do it. Don't bust her chops. Even give her a tax credit for it, if that's what it takes. Or, uh, uh, you know, waive the sales tax for it so that she can protect herself and her family if you're that worried about her. Versus coming up with these arbitrary criteria to take away Second Amendment rights of people who have not been convicted of anything. We'll have a lot more on this tomorrow for you, obviously. The case is being argued out today. But uh, you know me, I love these Supreme Court cases. Ever since I was in high school, I used to drive around uh, listening to May Please the Court on cassette tape. The, the 10 most controversial oral arguments. And there's nothing that made a high school girl friskier on a first date than listening to an oral argument of Texas v. Johnson, the flag burning case on our first date. <laughs> melts like butter <laughs> yeah she gets in the car you put in the cassette tape actually I think there were CDs at the time but you know, you, well what are you listening to oh wait till you hear this you want to hear Scalia I, I, was, that, was that a new band is that, <laughs> is that, are they from Seattle is that a grunge band from Seattle Scalia I haven't heard of them yet is that no 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 this is Justice Scalia oh Justice Scalia wow are they playing at the Palladium no up 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 and then you press play and you hear Scalia opine about the Second Amendment. I mean, that, right? I mean, is that not a prom night story? You know what's happening that night. Were there a lot of second dates or? It's funny you ask. Um, no, <laughs> but I don't, I'm not saying there's a correlation. It may be a causation. No, I'm saying, whatever it is. No, we'll just leave, maybe we'll just leave it at that. I can't even make fun of you. I, I enjoyed the uh, landmark cases, that podcast that C-SPAN released. <laughs> I, I didn't have cassette tape, so I wasn't, I'm not quite as bad as they you. They were CDs. But... Oh, sorry. <laughs> you're, you're both crazy. Let me, let me just settle that. <laughs> Listen to an episode of landmark cases and tell me it's not fascinating, Henry. <laughs> no, I'll pass. There's plenty of fascinating stuff out there. I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll find something. You'll find something. I have no doubts. Well, I did not go to law school, uh, although I, I should have probably, but I didn't. But nevertheless, when I need a lawyer, I know who to call. I got my guys. And when it comes to being injured in an accident, there's only one guy, and that is Tom Skopinich, period. Both sides of the river. He's licensed in PA and New Jersey. Now, you're driving right now, and you're seeing what I call the billboard clowns. These are the people that put their faces on there, and they make all their little dumb comments. And uh, Stay away from them, please. You deal with Tom Skopinich, you're going to deal with Tom Skopinich. You're going to you're going to get the one-on-one personal attention that you deserve. And he's going to fight 
for you to make sure that you maximize your case and get the fair value of your case. Please do not assume the insurance companies are going to take care of you. They are big businesses and they are concerned with one thing, their bottom line. You need the law offices of Thomas G. Skopinich. Thomas has been serving the greater Delaware Valley for over 25 years and he's helped many clients. With offices located in Lansdale, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, let Tom help you maximize your recovery and get the fair value for your case. Prior to starting his own practice, Tom Skopinich used to work for and on behalf of insurance companies, which gives him a unique understanding of the strategies and tactics used by the insurance companies when they are fighting your case. So contact Tom online today at scopelawyer.com, S-C-O-P-E lawyer.com, or call 215-624-2211, 215-624-2211. Licensed in PA, licensed in New Jersey, he can help you no matter, no matter where you are, and he's going to fight for you, and that's the key. He'll fight for you to get what you deserve. Scopelawyer.com, the law offices of Thomas G. Scopinich, scopelawyer.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the only show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. The question, of course, is did you vote? Make sure you do. Please make sure you vote. It's important. It's Election Day. You got to get out there. You got to do it. It's uh, very, very critical. A little bit after six, we'll talk to my buddy Matt Rooney. Uh, we'll find out what's going on. But um, the breaking news on the show today is that Professor Alan Dershowitz teed off on Barack Obama. Um, I, I, I know the question of Michelle Obama is very political and people don't like to talk about it, but Barack Obama and Michelle Obama reunited with 2,500 former staffers to celebrate the 15th anniversary of Obama's historic election. The Obama insiders started flying in Thursday, sending text messages to each other with the iconic picture of Obama landed. They text. Michael Stramantis, who is now the executive vice president for external affairs for the Obama Foundation. The gathering went from large to sold out. Former staffers signed up late. were scrambling for a way to join in the fun. 
On Thursday evening, various teams and departments that worked under Obama held many reunions ahead of tonight's big event. The Obamas popped in at the salt shed per David Axelrod. Now, this is from November the 3rd. What's today? The 7th. What day did David Axelrod say that Joe Biden should get out of the race, Matt DeSantis? That was yesterday, wasn't it? Was it Sunday the 5th or Monday the 6th? Well, uh, he tweeted it. I don't remember. He either tweeted it late Sunday or early Monday, and then he went on uh, CNN and discussed it on Monday. I can find the exact tweet. That's all right. So let me just understand this now. I want to understand the timeline here. So so the, the Obamas have their 15-year anniversary shindig in, in Chicago. So they had to fly from... Martha's Vineyard to Illinois. Uh, this was on this was on November third, which was what day of the week was November third? That was a Friday, Friday, November third. On Sunday the fifth, David Axelrod tweets out, "It's time for Joe Biden to get out of the race." Just a, I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't have said it any better. All I can say to that is, ah, 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 yeah. right? What? I, I'm speechless. How come nobody's pointing this out but me? That's why I'm the best in the business. That's why, damn it. Because I, f- I figure out these connections. I make these connections, damn it. You know why? Because I'm a political guy, not a radio guy. I didn't come from the world of radio. I'm not mocking people who did. I'm just saying, I, this is my, my job was politics. I find this, this is very, very, very uh, interesting timing here. And I need to get a, a Godfather drop here. Let's see. Uh, but I don't have the one I'm looking for. You know what we need to have? We need to have the one that says, I'm a superstitious man from Vito Corleone. Can we get that one? Yo. We should add that to the, to the Godfather board. Okay. Yeah, I'll go look Thank for you, it. Henry. So they have this big Obama get together with all these people. These are ambassadors, uh, former ambassadors. They they got money people. The Bidens were not there. The, the the Bidens are not there. It's all Obama people, and they're all hanging out together in Chicago for the 50th anniversary. The Obamas popped in the salt shed. Now David Axelrod tweeted out at the time. Uh, the following. He said, Barack and Michelle join a rousing campaign reunion in Chicago on the eve of the 15th anniversary of his election as the 44th president of the United States of America. That was at 10.03 p.m. on November 2nd, 2023. Now, do you think Axelrod was in the crowd with the masses or do you think he had backstage passes? What, what's your what's your guess? I'm going to go with the backstage. You pass. think David Axelrod, who got Obama elected, had backstage passes, in other words? <laughs> And if he was the one that took the photo that accompanied that tweet, he was absolutely uh, backstage, judging by the angle. Okay, so then here's the other question I have then. Why can't I see, you know, this is the problem. Freaking Twitter. Hang on a second. I got to log in. They got logged out because I'm on the stupid other computer today. And hang on. I didn't bring my laptop with me, which I meant to do. (laughs) I've been wondering why you've been staring at your phone during the entire show. Because I, I don't have my laptop. I left it at home because I can't find the charger because we're still moving in. And it's brutal. You can't find anything. I can't find anything. I could have brought my charger for you. Okay, so here's... All right, so let's go through the timeline of this. David Axelrod on Friday night tweets out, Michelle and Barack Obama 
join a rousing campaign reunion in Chicago on the eve of the 15th anniversary of his election as the 44th president of the United States. That tweet goes out on November 2nd. Then they partied up all weekend with the Obama people. At 10.27 p.m. on Monday the 5th. No, no, no. That would be Sunday the 5th. Sunday, yeah. 10.27 a.m. So they hang out Friday night, presumably all day on Saturday. They wake up and they have brunch on Sunday. And David Axelrod tweets out the following that day. It's very late to change horses. A lot will happen in the next year that no one can predict. And Biden's team says his resolve to run is firm. He's defied conventional wisdom before, but this will send tremors of doubt through the party. Not bedwetting, but legitimate concern. And then he puts up the Times poll that came out. And he continues. The greatest concern is that his biggest liability is the one thing he can't change. Among all the unpredictable, there is one thing that is sure. The age arrow only points in one direction. The POTUS is justly proud of his accomplishments. Trump is a dangerous, unhinged demagogue whose brazen disdain for the rules, norms, laws, and institutions for democracy should be disqualifying. But the stakes of miscalculation here are too dramatic to ignore. He continues. Only Joe Biden can make this decision. If he continues to run, he'll be the nominee of the Democrat Party. What he needs to decide is whether that is wise, whether it's in his best interest, in all caps, or the country's. Yes, there is also a risk associated with changing course now, as there is little time left for a primary campaign, and campaigns are how we test candidates. But there is a lot of leadership talent in the Democratic Party poised to emerge. So, this is just a coincidence, though, right? This is hanging out with the Obamas all weekend and then tweets it out on Sunday? I mean, that's just coincidence, right? Where's my clip of The Godfather, Henry? That was your clip t- chance to play it. I don't know where to find it. Uh, son of a... I mean, it's like <laughs> amateur hour here. It's like, can we one day just do a professional freaking radio show? We were, one day? I thought we were doing pretty uh, well. We were. Henry we just were up until 5.49 p.m. Yeah. Or maybe it's 5.48. I can't see because the, clock the clock's all broken. Uh, freaking TV's faded. <laughs> it's 49.55. So you don't find this to be a little bit coincidental, the timing of this? I agree with you. I, it is strange how that, that played out. The New York Times poll also came out that same day, though. Not to, you know, dump you know, water on your, your theory. But you I don't also, th- wait, 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 I will wait, say wait, this. Wait, wait, yes, no, go ahead. I will no, go I'll ahead. concede this point. I would imagine that people in the Democrat Party, the higher-ups got access to those polling numbers prior to the rest of us. Ding, ding, friggin' ding. Thank you. Give that man a prize, because it's exactly what I was about to say. And if you did not recognize that, I would have been deeply, deeply insulted by your intelligence, Matt DeSantis, <laughs> to think that David Axelrod and the Obamas woke up Sunday morning and went, Oh, oh what a night. Oh, look, a fresh copy of the New York Times right outside my hotel room door. What's this now? New Siena Times College poll. Ooh! <laughs> I haven't even had my coffee yet, and this poll is freshly lands on my door in the New York Times like I'm every other Democrat guest at this hotel, and it just arrived. Look at that. Come on, man! So, they know the polls out there, they know the results, and they're all chatting over the weekend, and 
the, the real president, Barack Obama, s- says to David Axelrod, we got to get Joe out of the race. I mean, obviously, he had the authorization. He was given the, the permission to carry this out. I mean, that from Axelrod after being with the Obamas all weekend, the de facto message of the Democrat Party. Remember, I'm not talking about the message for the masses. I'm talking about the message for the Democrat Party is Barack wants him out. Barack wants him out. Think about this. David Axelrod got Barack Obama elected. David Axelrod and the Obamas are all together for the weekend with all the Obama people, and they're hanging out all weekend. I'm not saying that they they walked out there and said Michelle's going to run. What I'm saying is the Obamas and the Obama people and all the world were together that weekend, and the conclusion of that weekend, of the 15th anniversary of Obama's historic victory, was that Joe Biden needs to get out of the race for president. And that's what was communicated Sunday morning by David Axelrod, who was Barack Obama's top guy, which might as well be Barack Obama saying it, but Barack Obama can't say it. Got it? What? Pay attention, people. Do you not see this? Now I'm getting just mad now. And nobody else is seeing this but me. I see. I saw it today and I called it out today. And now tomorrow, everybody's going to be talking about this. You'll see. I'm not wrong. Listen to him. He knows everything. Thank you, Mrs. Soprano. Thank you very much. I mean, those polling numbers in the Times were, they were terrible. They were terrible, but he didn't just find it Sunday morning, Matt DeSantis. He went down to the lobby and was like, hey, it's me, David Axtra, checking out. Oh, is that a complimentary copy of the New York Times? I agree with you. Can I have one? Oh, let me open it up. Oh, look at these Siena College polls. Let me tweet out a tweet to saying the president of the United States should not run based on the copy of this poll that I just saw five minutes ago in my hands. Now, I agree with you. I agree that they certainly had access to that information before the rest of us did. And you don't think it's coincidental that they were all the the Obama people were all together that weekend and Axelrod tweets it out Sunday morning. It's strange. I'll concede that point. It's very strange. The message to the Democrat establishment is clear. Joe Biden's got to go. Now, the second point that I want to make is. Why do the Obamas care so much? Why does why do the Obamas and the Democrat establishment Barack Obama's pulling the strings here? He's the real president. He's pulling the strings. So why do they care so much? They care so much because they know Joe Biden's going to lose and they're worried about having no other candidate in the race, which is why, if you notice David Axelrod's tweet. And again, you got to read between the lines here. Read between the lines. Yes, there is also a risk associated with changing course now as there is little time left for a primary campaign. But there is a lot of leadership talent in the Democrat Party poised to emerge. Now, as I read through the lines here, what he's saying is we can't have a primary. There's no time for a primary. And we can't have somebody who's untested. And there's leadership talent. You notice he doesn't say elected leadership talent. You notice that? David Axelrod doesn't say we've got talented governors and senators. He doesn't even say we have a talented vice president who could run. Notice what he's not saying here in this tweet. What the message is clear. Joe has to go. The the godfather here. I, I don't want to use the word godfather because that's that's uh, what Rahm Emanuel used to be called in Chicago politics. But I'm sure Emmanuel is probably there, too. Biden's got to go. And we don't have time for a primary. We can't have a primary. 
But there's a lot of leadership talent in the Democratic Party poised to emerge. Not we have a competent vice president who can run. Not we have a great governor who can run. Not we have a great senator. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what is being said and what is not being said, Matt DeSantis? I see. Well, if you want to get more conspiratorial. You don't want to just stick to the 403B? You want to go deep? (laughs) Let's go deep. I'm not saying I agree with your assessment because I I do still think that. You should always agree with me because I turn out to be right. (laughs) Uh, Well, well, in, in this instance, you can say, Matt, you're wrong. Okay. But. Um, Obama doesn't do that many interviews and he was on Pod Save America over the weekend, which is the big like Obama administration alumni podcast. That's John Favreau, John Lovett, Dan Pfeiffer. Um, I thought that you know, interesting that he's putting himself in the spotlight. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now again, maybe it's not Michelle. Maybe they have somebody else in mind, but they have somebody in mind. Because I think that the point of that tweet is We don't have time for a primary. The Democrat Party has to anoint somebody, but we need to get Biden out. And that was that the blessing that he got to send that at 1027 a.m. Sunday morning. Let me give you the analogy here. It's like this. Right. So say it's a big wedding weekend and it's Friday night and everybody gets into town for the wedding and they all gather and they hang out and then they party Friday. Saturday is the wedding. Sunday morning, a guy, one of the, the best man tweets out, he never should have married this girl. She's a total whore. Do you, you understand my, what I'm saying here? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm not dis- I'm not the one disagreeing with you. It's that guy. I know. I'm trying to ignore him. I'm trying not to look at him. <laughs> I don't want to look at him. He disgusts me right now. I just need more convincing. This is, this, we, we are all, everybody's being played here, you see. This is the, everybody, Barack Obama is pulling the strings. He's pulling the freaking strings on all of this, which is why Dershowitz slapped him. And we'll talk more about that in the next hour. But that pod, you mentioned Pod Save America. Yeah. That's what it is, right? Yes. Well, that was the one that he, where he made those comments about Israel that sent Dershowitz into a rage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. uh, That's where it all came. I think the full podcast is being released today, but they, uh, they had snippets of it that were posted earlier. In fact, should we play quickly again, just to remind everybody what Dershowitz said about Barack Obama on this radio show just a short time ago, about to make national news? We never should have helped Iran build that nuclear reactor in the first place. Why Barack Obama did that is just beyond me. Look, Barack Obama has been a villain in this whole thing. He issued a statement the other day. I just wrote an article about it in which he basically compared these massacres, these rapes, these beheadings, to Israel's um, occupation of Gaza, which doesn't exist. Israel ended its occupation of Gaza in 2005. They not only removed all settlers and all soldiers, they even dug up their dead bodies from graves and took them out of the Gaza Strip. And Obama obnoxiously and obscenely um, um, compared these brutal, brutal murders to Israel's disputed and controversial occupation. And that will just encourage uh, groups like Hamas to continue to brutalize innocent civilians, not only in Israel, but around the world. So I think that Obama has uh, shame on him for what he did. And I used to vote for him. I would never, ever support him, vote for him, or actually talk to him again. My relationship with him was over. I knew he was a student. I was at the White House repeatedly when he was president. Uh, That's over. Okay, there you go. National news right here, baby. National news. Digging in deep, going above and beyond. That's what we do on this program. That's all we do. Let's talk about politics. It's election day. We got a big fourth and final hour coming up straight ahead. Don't go away. 
Bridge Zioli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.